Hello, friends. I'm Luke, and I serve on the music team at Holy Family. We continue to hear stories from people like you who listen to the Holy Family podcast and consider Holy Family your church. And whether you're someone who's constantly on the go, hasn't found a church community where you live to which you can belong, or someone who's wondering about the shape of your faith, we are honored to be with you by sharing these reflections from our Sunday liturgies. We rely on the generosity of our congregation, which includes you wherever you listen, to help our ministry achieve and maintain financial health. If this podcast has been a gift to you, would you consider making a contribution so that we can continue offering resources that welcome questions, curiosities, and doubts? You can make a gift by following the link in our show notes. That's at holyfamilyhtx.org. From Holy Family HTX, an Episcopal church for people without a church, this is the Holy Family Podcast, a collection of ideas about leading a Jesus-centered life. We clearly explore the church's understandings while bringing our own questions, curiosities, and doubts, and we never demand fake agreement. Theological exploration is just better that way. So, let's take a moment of silence as we get ready to contemplate today's ideas. One of the virtues of showing up at a church for a long period of time is that you realize preachers have things that they like to say every now and then. And if you're new, you're like, wow, that's like fresh stuff here. Uh, But if you're an OG, you know that at least once a year, and it's that Sunday, or it's at least that intro to that Sunday, at least once a year, I like to remind you of the kind of consumers that we are. If you're gonna be a church that focuses on communion, you're gonna have to talk about consumerism. The kind of consuming that we do is this. We want the thing without the thing that makes the thing the thing. Slovenian philosopher Slavoj Žižek diagnoses our preferred mode of consumption and he calls it violent hedonism. Now I'm a little more bottom shelf than Slavoj. So the way I make sense of our consumptive practice is wanting the thing without the thing that makes that thing the thing. Uh, For example, take decaf coffee. Or don't. Decaf coffee is wanting caffeine, or it's wanting coffee, but without the caffeine that makes coffee, coffee. Or take the little blue packets, or the little yellow packets, or the little pink packets. We want sugar, but we want it without all the sweet stuff that makes sugar, sugar. Take fat-free sour cream. Meatless burgers. Non-alcoholic beer. Facebook friends. TikTok followers. We want the thing, but without the thing that makes the thing, the thing. 
Come on now. I see that. <laughs> we really do want to consume the other, but only after we have stripped it from all of its potency. And we crank that thing way down and make it safe for our consumption. And once all of the danger has been removed, now we are really free to enjoy. We want the thing without the thing that makes the thing the thing. And it is my perspective that we are so deeply formed by this kind of consumerism that people like you and me, well, we bring that to God. We want life with God without the thing that makes life with God, life with God. What is it that makes life with God, life with God? I'm going to tell it to you in three parts. Here's the first part. We want life with God without Jesus Christ. You will have to decide today and in my experience every day if you actually want to center your life on Jesus Christ or if you're going to center your life on yourself. Karl Barth once quipped that we cannot simply speak of God by speaking of humanity in a loud voice or in capital letters and then pointing to it and saying, that must be God. For all of our talk about God, we run the risk of doing nothing more than just simply elevating ourselves and calling it God. This is why it's no surprise that the gods that we create hate our enemies, love our politics, and always adopt our ethics. Now, once we have made the fatal error of rejecting God's revelation of who God actually is in Jesus Christ, we then settle in for vague impressions of the divine. Anytime we're feeling moderately spiritual. And then we turn to our interior selves for our spirituality, which we always think is much more interesting than other people do. And eventually, over time, this interior look starts to be not so great. You start to notice things about yourself you don't really like. And then, you turn outward again, and so you go to the stars. It's um, kind of hard to do in Houston. So you go to a beautiful sunset and a beach, and eh, maybe that's not Galveston, but you take a vacation to Montana in hopes that nature will induce warm feelings about something. And then when those feelings come, we become content to call those feelings God. And then we decide, because we're in Texas, after all, that it's probably pretty good for every four weeks or so to get together with other like-minded people. Or at least a group of people that we're pretty sure wouldn't do anything reckless behind a voter booth like we wouldn't do. And then we get together and kind of pat each other on the back and listen to a message that underwrites basically everything we already believed before we walked in the door, and the vibes will be okay, and we will call those vibes church. But this is the problem with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ tears down all of our deeply held preferences for God to remain vague. In Jesus Christ, God says, I'm not really doing vague. I'm coming to be with you. God from God, 
light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. In fact, I will be so unvague, you will be very tempted to look and say, okay, well, whatever that is, that's not God. As Bishop Will Willimon puts it, a first century Jew who lived briefly, died violently, and rose unexpectedly is actually the clearest picture of God we're going to get. And in the midst of our lust for an ambiguous God, we get a text like today's where the Apostle Peter confesses and it thunders out, you are the Messiah, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Here's the second part. We want life with God without Jesus Christ crucified. And in the same way that you should not cut the movie off halfway through because otherwise you're going to foreclose on really crucial details that happen, well, so it is with this gospel. This gospel is an important one for Christian groups who emphasize Peter's confession that Jesus is the Christ. Now, Christ is not Jesus' last name, okay? It wasn't like Joseph Christ and Mary Christ and their little boy, Jesus Christ. Christ is also not the name for some other part of God that at some point in time decided to become Jesus. No, Jesus is the Christ. This is an important confession. But the whole point of this gospel is that while Peter did say the right words, not because he figured it out, but because God revealed it to him, the whole point of this gospel is that while he said the right words, he did not know that they came with a cross. And once he did learn that they came with a cross, he was not interested at all. Once Peter truly confesses who Jesus is, the story goes on and Jesus describes his impending pilgrimage to Jerusalem where he will suffer and be killed and be raised on the third day. Now, what Peter really wants is a Christ with an empire. And what Peter gets is a Messiah with a cross given to him by the empire. In fact, it's this really wild story. Matthew says that Peter actually grabs a hold of Jesus, takes him around the corner and starts poking his finger in his chest and saying, hey buddy, are, are you nervous right now? Because whatever you're talking about, like if you're nervous, we got you, we're good. We will not let somebody hurt you. This plan doesn't work for us. Like take a look around. Everybody's actually kind of getting excited about you right now. And you're kind of wet blanketing this whole thing. And I need you to not, you know, pivot now. I need you to get on board with what we're excited about for you. I won't let anything happen to you. And I think Peter really meant that. Never forget that when they did come to arrest Jesus, it was Peter who pulled out his sword and went for a headshot on Malchus. But Malchus was so quick, he actually ducked his head this way. And instead of cutting off his head, Peter like clipped his ear off. Peter was deadly serious when he said, I won't let anything happen to you. We like you, Jesus. We don't like this cross talk. Now, why is it that we want Jesus without a cross? Why are we like Peter? Well, we are embarrassed by Jesus Christ's death. Or we reject 
maybe fundamentalist theological explanations of the cross. Yet we're also not necessarily really sure we have any alternate versions either. And so what we end up doing is recasting Jesus. Suddenly Jesus is a, you know, a do-gooder, merely trying to make the world a better place because it's progressively getting better. And Jesus is a pretty good example of someone who's trying to make the world better. And sadly, you know, as the, as the empires do, they just snuffed Jesus out. Just another guy had a good vision for the world and man, what a loss. But Peter tells Jesus that he wants him without a cross. And Jesus actually says, you know, just a few sentences after you're the rock, Jesus has to look at Peter around that corner and say, you can go ahead and get behind me, Satan. You're not actually thinking God's thoughts. You're thinking your thoughts. You want me without a cross so that you can use me for your agenda. And I'm just here to tell you that if you want to be serious about putting Jesus Christ at the center of your life, you will have to do some daily negotiations with yourself to see if you're trying to just use God to further your own agenda in life. There really is no Jesus who is not crucified, church. Believe me, I've tried. And that means that there is no life that is not crucified. And this is really important because according to the New Testament, you are not just living for Jesus. I think that's where we get messed up. We think Jesus is somewhere else and we can just choose to opt in voluntaristically to live for him. But that's not really the reality. We're actually being held together in Jesus Christ. You are living right now by Christ, with Christ, and in Christ. Jesus Christ's very life is cradling you. You are already existing in Christ. Therefore, you and I have to figure out how to resist thinking of our life's meaning as some form of self-fulfillment or self-actualization or trying to always find that place where my deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. No. We have to figure out how to embrace the reality that begins in those waters of baptism. And by the way, if you have not been baptized, every Sunday is a good Sunday to do that. All you have to do is just tell me before we get there and then we baptize you right in the middle of the service. Baptism is where you and I get summoned by Israel's God to take our part in Jesus's life and ongoing ministry in the world. That you are participating in Christ and not just for him also accounts for why your life has such high highs and such low lows. Life can go as high as the right hand of the Father, and life can go as low as the pit of hell. And that is because there is no height that he has not already ascended, and there is no depth that he has not already plunged, and your life is in him. And I'm asking you to remember that when you feel lost in this life. Even then, and perhaps especially then, you are deeply participating in the life of Jesus Christ. Sometimes theologians call that life the Paschal Mystery. That's where you're participating. The mystery of the Passion. 
Jesus' passion, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. That's not God's weird plan to satisfy God's weird desire for blood. It's actually God's critique of violent oppression. We're the ones who want a lot of blood. We're the ones who want somebody to die. We're the ones who want somebody to answer for something. And God has critiqued our lust for violent oppression. And God in Jesus Christ has transformed our worst violence into God's true power. And that will force people like you and me to behold difficult juxtapositions of both brutality and beauty. And I have come to believe that I'm not going to find that by looking into myself or looking at pretty mountains. I've only come to know that by being summoned by Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Here's the third and final part. We want life with God without Jesus Christ crucified. And this one stings. Because a lot of the time, we're actually really more interested in building our church. At the confession of Peter, Jesus Christ promises five words. I will build my church. Too often clergy like me have tried to return the favor. Too often churches have said, no, we've got a better idea. We'll do our thing. How much of your prayer life and mine amounts to asking God to get on board with our empire, our territory, briefing God on our plans, getting God up to speed on our vision, and making sure that God has been conscripted into our dream for the world. And how much of our frustration with God exists because God won't play along with our little games. Here's the good news. Jesus Christ will build his church in you and through you. Blessedly, even in spite of you. This is why life never quite goes the way we want it to. Because we aren't building our dream for the world, God is building God's dream for the world. You will want to live your life without Jesus Christ crucified, holy family, so that you can build your dream for the world and ask God to show up and bless it. But that is wanting the thing without the thing that makes the thing the thing. That is life with God without the thing that makes life with God life with God. So on those days, remember what makes life with God life with God. Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. You make him the heart of your life and you will never want the thing without the thing that makes the thing the thing. find more resources to help you lead a Jesus-centered life at holyfamilyhtx.org.
Again, it's holyfamilyhtx.org.